0: Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis third, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way, without a lot of geek speak or a bunch of acronyms. We just want to talk about tech that's important to us and important to you. Speaking of important to
1: us, we want to thank Cardinal Capital, To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your bank. Even if you do, though, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you are in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to the lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important to banks, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they'll help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. they find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net, call 225-308-3700, or email them info at cardinalcap.net.
0: Okay, Mr. Davis going to have a little different kind of tech gumbo to start off with today. Still going to talk about technology, but we're going to talk about technology as it's happening in the Russian Ukraine event. We wanted to do this segment today in this way
1: because it will play into a lot of the themes that we've been talking about for a while on the show, but this will be the first time that we've been able to analyze them through this lens, and I think that's we're going to stay away from a lot of the like political aspects and really try and focus on how does technology play a role? How do the things that we as Tech Gumbo specialize in, how are they interacting with this conflict?
0: The first thing we want to talk about is the disinformation that's that's coming out from Eastern Europe. And how to help yourself spot the disinformation and some of the tactics and don't fall for some of those scams.
1: A lot of these tips and tricks will be useful for any type of disinformation, but it's just useful especially in this particular context because it is so sharp right now.
0: The first thing you wanna do is ignore follower counts and, and look for high quality followers instead. A
1: lot of times if you're on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, you'll see accounts that have a lot of followers but just because there's a lot of followers doesn't mean that it's necessarily good. You want to see news organizations or government officials or journalists or other people who you know are reputable because they are going to verify and vet people they follow. And so you're going to rely on their verification and vetting so you don't have to do that process yourself.
0: That's right. There's a TikTok going on a, a woman pulling up next to a tank, but the tank story is actually two years old. It's not happening two weeks ago. Exactly, and
1: those are the types of things that you really have to be careful about.
0: The next thing you wanna do is
1: verify the media that you consume. Because as we said, a lot of these videos can be fake. They can be from different points in time. And maybe the video itself is real. Maybe the video is doctored. Maybe that there's there's something else happening inside of it to portray it in a way which it's not actually in reality. Because we've
0: talked about deepfakes before, and they're very easy to create with the technologies that we have nowadays. So be careful of what you see. Just because it's a video does not mean it's real. I mean, video games look so very real nowadays. Be careful of, of the video that you look at.
1: You brought up a great point there with deepfakes. Part of what's necessary to make a deep fake more convincing is a large amount of audio and video footage of a person speaking. And so if you are President Zelensky and you were an actor for years ahead of time beforehand, there does exist large troves of your face and voice making all kinds of different expressions and noises. And so he is someone who is more uniquely susceptible to a deep fake campaign than other politicians might be and so it's especially important to make sure that if you see something look to see if you see it in other places as well make sure it's sources that you trust that are confirming it and not just one the most explosive source that you see immediately
0: next thing you want to do is think before you share Don't just put something out there because, oh, it looked good. Let me throw this on Facebook. Let me put this on Twitter or TikTok or whatever, just because, oh, this will be fun to share. Don't put out things that aren't verifiable. You are part of the link in the chain, but no one snowflake thinks it's the
1: avalanche. So you have to understand that your role as part of a social media ecosystem, a lot of the stuff that's been coming out from Ukraine has been really cool. It's been feel good. It's kind of been propaganda, that's kind of the point. It's a tough nut to crack there, tough web to unwind. And so just be careful with all of it.
0: Which leads into, be careful when you see these fundraising events coming around. People trying to raise money for for the Ukrainian military, for the Ukrainian defense fund, for the, the, the victims in the Ukraine. And if you don't know where that money's actually going, Do you really wanna give that money away?
1: Exactly, again, verify your sources, go to things that you know are true. You can go directly to the Ukrainian websites, you can go directly to verified sources, the Red Cross. If It's a link hanging off of the New York Times or the Washington Post or even the Advocate in Baton Rouge. Those are much more likely to be verified and to be trusted sites and sources. And then lastly, follow the money just in general. If someone is asking for money, again, make sure you know where the money is going. Make sure you know why they're doing what they're doing. People who are, are in it with the best of intentions will be very clear. They'll be very transparent. They'll want you to see exactly where everything is going. They'll want to you know, put all the details in front of you. Look for those types of things as opposed to someone who is trying to hide, trying to profit off the top
0: and some of these scammers are the really bad guys you give your credit card you give your banking information and they now they really have you so you've got to be extra careful about trying to donate money or or any of those types of things because you you can get burned really fast doing this
1: absolutely and we talked about trusting the, the major news sources, the Fox, the CNN, the New York Times. We found an interesting story. How does CNN actually verify social media footage that they found? One of the interesting places that we're in now is there's such a massive flow of pictures and videos and all kinds of things coming in. How do you be able to separate what actually is what
0: it claims to be? So CNN has an investigative team that they look for these the streams of information, and they go and they match that that footage from events that were going on. So if it was a it was a cloudy day in Kiev, but yet here's a video of a sunshiny day when the rockets are coming in. Well, that didn't sync up,
1: or if there's any kind of uh, geolocation information they'll go into Google Earth and they'll drop the Google Earth person and look around and see if they can find it. They'll, or, you know, they'll go to the to Google Earth and look around and see if they can recreate the view. They'll do all these sorts of things to use different pieces of data that are available and say, see, do these things line up with each other?
0: When they're looking for a, a unique looking building, and they know which city it's in, and they can look. They can recreate the view from the street, looking up the building where a rocket went through and blew up this building. But that building was in some other part of the world, other than other than in Ukraine. Well, they know that that's a fake. That's a fake story. That is the 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 kind of
1: effort and the kind of knowledge that is required to be able to sort through and sift through all this information. And so that's why. Whenever we say it's important to trust the verified sources, it's because they are putting in the work. They do want to make sure that whatever they are putting in front of us, that they have verified and they are staking their credibility on so we can actually have a more accurate picture of what is happening.
0: Google Earth is an amazing tool, but NASA's got tools out there. There's also just footage that news crews have had because they've been on the ground. And and so when you have a a CNN, a Fox News and ABC, NBC, whichever news outlet that's been doing stories, and these guys have been doing all this B-roll footage, they can use that same kind of information, compare it to other sources like a Google Earth, go, oh, yeah, this is, this this is, that's, that's exactly right. This is where the, so now this is a true story or it's, we know it's beginning in truth and build upon it from there.
1: We thought this is really cool, you know, hadn't hadn't actually seen a story like this before and just wanted to talk about, you know, how do they know or how do they trust something? How what makes them more confident that uh, a picture or a video is what it claims to be.
0: Next thing we want to talk about is and we've kind of talked about it before with hacktivist who they're firing back at Russian websites.
1: The people claiming to be an IT army created by the Ukrainian government are sitting there trying to take their shots at the website for the Moscow Exchange.
0: These people, Ukrainian Volunteer IT Army, they have a, supposedly 200,000 followers, and they are all doing what they can to direct denial-of-service attacks, to hacking into and, and, and creating their own misinformation campaign inside of Russia on these websites. They're changing content on websites inside of Russia, causing all kinds of people to not know what's going on. This is a an interesting way, like we've said many, many times, this is a, a battle with ones and zeros, not bullets and bombs. It's a
1: very, very interesting. And they're going after all kinds of different organizations. You see financial uh... You see government agencies, banks, you know, all kinds of different institutions which represent Russia, the country. The hacktivists are trying to make their lives more difficult.
0: Another story that was kind of a win in the PR battle, the Ukrainian vice prime minister sent a tweet to Elon Musk saying, hey, why don't you turn on your Starlink here in, in the Ukraine in case the Russia shuts down our Internet? And within hours, Elon Musk replies, done. They, they're they so good at geofencing, they had Starlink operational in Ukraine.
1: And this is a story which does. It sounds great on its surface. It's an awesome PR move, as you pointed out. But we are a little skeptical of it because the tweet that came out with the Ukrainian Vice Prime Minister thanking Musk. It's the picture of it looks like the back of an 18 wheeler, and there's some satellites there. But how many actual well, dishes was it? Was it about 100, 500 dishes? And then where did they go? Did, did you have them in government agencies? Are you handing them out to the public? What are you doing with them? How long did it take you to
0: put them in place? And you I mean, you're in a country with 40 million people. If if you had just so happen to have had 500 dishes, because until those dishes showed up, nobody could connect to Starlink. Oh by the way, it's a it's a grand gesture. That's good. But the other problem is with the whole story. The internet still works in in Ukraine. They still have electricity in Ukraine. they they have no problem getting information in and out of Ukraine right now. So. What was the big hurry to get these dishes there? I'm I'm a little confused right now.
1: In all but you know the places that Russia has already captured, you can see Zelensky on Twitter. He's on the calls. He's zooming into the European Union. He is very visible in a lot of different ways on a lot of different platforms. The Ukrainian presidential team is is doing a whole lot to maintain a very visible presence. Clearly, they have access to internet and. Maybe the argument is that these are a, an emergency measure so that if Russia does unplug the the cable into the Keeb's central agency, but you have to think that they have backup internet and that you have teams of people working on this. And one of those things that looks great, but yes. just the more you think about it, the less it is actually the win that was promised here.
0: But and one company that... Is doing really good, and this is uh, this is a cool story. Microsoft they do a lot with cybersecurity. I, I think a, a lot of people don't realize just how much Microsoft does with their cybersecurity team. But they started within hours of the Russian tanks moving. They started noticing a whole lot of malware flooding in, into the Ukraine, and the right. first thing they did
1: was contact
0: the U.S. government.
1: Microsoft has a whole threat intelligence center that was seeing a whole new kind of malware designed purely to wipe. It's called a wiper, and they were naming this specific one Foxblade. Once they saw it come in, once the alarm bells started going off, the first thing that they did was they went to talk to the White House. They found a senior contact and they said, okay, White House, help us work with you. Let's come together to
0: form a coalition to be as effective as we can be. And then they brought in the other tech companies, the firewall companies. Here's how you defeat this. Here's the information. Put it out there and and shut this down now. And then once they shared it with the firewall companies, they shared it with
1: other countries. They shared it with the, the Baltics and Poland and other European nations. They are really forming a team of the smartest people in the world in different agencies to be a true unit uh, of cybersecurity. And this is something we are very excited about. This is what this should look like. This is how this really functions at a fantastic
0: level. And then there's the other guys.
1: Yes, your Google and your meta slash Facebook, your Twitter, they're not quite being as big a team players as Microsoft
0: is. The term, the idea that these companies are doing whatever they can to cover their backsides to make sure they don't look bad as opposed to trying to do something good is just glaring. These these executives are sitting around saying, okay, what do we do? How do we do it? But let's not do something that's going to make it make the russians look we we can't offend russia but we got to do something without looking bad and really yeah
1: to this point in time you know google and facebook have done things to turn off the flow of disinformation they've taken moderate steps but you know one of the questions is okay if you could turn off the flow of disinformation now you've probably been able to do that for a while and you've chosen not to Maybe if you would have taken proactive steps in the past, we wouldn't be in this situation. Maybe if you had done your jobs, we wouldn't have people inside of Russia who are convinced of these narratives. And then you have to look at how are they coming to these decisions? Do they have some sort of framework or is it just kind of we feel like it? These are not great places to have this broad lack of transparency and broad uncertainty
0: when you have the opportunity for these social media platforms to do the same type of good that happened in the arab spring of 2011 where we're putting out good information we're putting out you know this is what this is going to save people's lives this is as opposed to hey let's do this i think do we really want to do this? I'm not sure. Can we do this? Should we do this? They're not being bold and decisive. They're not saying this is what's happening. This is what we're going to do. It's almost like they're going up against focus groups to, to see if this is the, if it'll play well in the media.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that they need to also vet their decision-making policy. You have to be able to take stances, which might be controversial, But it should be ones which you have thought about ahead of time. It should not be reactionary. You should be able to explain your decision-making. You should be able to defend your decision-making. And it should be consistent, and it should be thorough, and it should be precise. And I just do not believe that anything that is coming out of the tech giants right now meets any of those criteria.
0: Because also, if you start turning off Facebook in Russia, well— that that affects the Russian citizens who are just trying to do their daily lives. If you're a Russian business advertising on Facebook and now you can't to the Russian citizens who have nothing to do with making this war, now who have you really hurt?
1: And also Facebook might be a platform to have important conversations inside of Russia that people could express their frustrations with the Russian government… And if they no, no longer have a platform to do that on, you may be hindering your goals in
0: that way as well. So we will keep an eye on what's happening from the technology point of view with what's going on in the Russian-Ukrainian theater. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT-managed service provider, delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeast United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 100 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services team can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk
1: 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays, also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show today or you want to go back and hear us as a podcast, check out any previous episodes available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Music, Amazon Music, and more. When you're there... Be sure to subscribe to get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show, you have any suggestions, or you have a question, shoot us a text, 225-255-0431. If we use your question as the question of the week, we will send you a free Tech Gumbo mug. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.